several years ago, a couple weeks before Valentine's Day, I got a phone call at work from a lady from whom Lindley had previously purchased some special baskets. This was a time when these particular baskets were rather popular, so I've been told, and one's home decor was dependent upon having a few of these baskets in the house. And Lindley had purchased a couple of these larger baskets and they were on display in our house and our house was beautiful because of these baskets. I knew this. I had been told this. And so when this lady called and said to me, we've got a special Valentine's Day basket and I know your wife would love it. It's full of chocolates. It's an amazing gift. Your wife loves these baskets. I would love to order this for you. I'll hand deliver it to you. So you don't do any shopping at all. And you'll have the perfect Valentine's Day gift for Lindley. How does that sound? I said, how much does it cost? I mean, isn't that the next question you'd ask? And so she told me the price. And I immediately had the vision of the basket in my mind get substantially larger. And I'm thinking, this basket is big and a lot of chocolates in it. I want one. This is going to be fantastic. I start building it up with Lindley. Hey, I've got this great gift. You're never going to guess what it is. You're going to be so surprised. It's going to be awesome. And I'm thinking, this is going to be the greatest Valentine's Day ever. And I'm looking more toward, forward to Valentine's Day, perhaps, than I ever have in our married life. And I am ready for this. The day before Valentine's Day arrives, and the lady delivers the box the, the uh, basket to me. And when I see the basket, I literally cannot believe it. I am in awe at the basket. This is what she delivered to me. And let me just tell you, you can't put a lot of chocolates in this size basket. And when she gave this basket with this smile like she just made the Valentine's, you know, favorite list, I look at it and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I have just been ripped off. And I went from Valentine's Day hero to Valentine's Day zero, just like that. Now, I tell you that story because nobody likes to be ripped off, right? Nobody likes that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks to themselves, I am so looking forward to getting ripped off today. I really hope it happens. It would be a wonderful day if I could get royally ripped off. Nobody thinks that. Most, most of the time when we wake up in the morning, if we think about anything at all, it's I hope today goes really well. I'd, I'd like to be happier by the end of today than I woke up this morning feeling. I'd like today to be a good day. We want... To be happy. We don't want to get ripped off. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 is an incredible command from God that he gives to us so that we might avoid being ripped off in such a way from which we cannot recover. So let's look. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17.
Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world and its lusts are passing away. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. God has given us this command. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And it's an incredible blessing. Notice that this is the first command we've experienced in 1 John. It's the first one. There's not been a single command in 1 John until this moment. It's like everything in 1 John is building to this command. And this command is the pinnacle of everything we're supposed to be and do in 1 John. This is the command that is essential. Because this command protects us. This command keeps us from the threat of the world. Keeps us from being ripped off by the world. Think about it like this. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. And the devil wants to take the things in the world and demonstrate to us that the things in the world can actually provide something for us that they cannot provide. It's a trick. He's a deceiver. And he wants to deceive us into thinking that something that's an illusion is actually reality. It's kind of like when you go to an illusionist show, a magic show. And if you walk into that show and the, and the guy says that's doing the illusion says, I'm fixing to perform such and such trick. Let's just say you happen to know the secret of that trick. Well, all of a sudden, that particular trick, because you know the secret of it, loses its appeal. And you're not going to be fooled because you know it's an illusion and you know how it works. And so you're not deceived into seeing something that is not real. What God has done is he has unmasked, he has unveiled the deception of the enemy and by way of this command is enabling us to see the trick and avoid getting ripped off. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The things in the world are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you hear those, those words of desire and feeling in those? Don't love the world because the world is about lust and pride. There's a desire that is expressed here, love, that we would say is a good thing. He says don't have this good desire for the things in the world because the things in the world distort your good desire into lust. We, we all want to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that desire. But when you leave God out of your life and you allow the desire of happiness to dictate how you spend your life, your desire to be happy, to not be ripped off by the world, will become distorted and will become a lust of the flesh. Think about it like this. You may have some desires this week to um, 
experience satisfaction. And so desiring satisfaction in your life is not a bad thing in and of itself. You may desire satisfaction in finishing a hobby. You may desire the satisfaction of going to the store and, and buying some things that you need. You may desire the satisfaction of sitting down with a group of friends and enjoying a meal. There are a lot of ways that your desire for satisfaction in and of itself is not bad. But if you do the things that come out of the desire for satisfaction with no regard for God in your life, your desire for satisfaction will become distorted into a lust of the flesh so that you now pursue the things that come out of your appetites as if those things could actually satisfy your life and you have no need for God. And you actually begin to believe, I can find what I want and need through these opportunities to get satisfied in my life. I don't need God. And the tragedy is that every one of us needs God. Every one of us desires God. And that desire is so good and so from the Lord that we would pursue Him. But here's what happens. This desire for God that God has placed in us, when we leave God out of our life, becomes distorted and becomes the lust of the eye. See, what God wants us to do is desire Him who we cannot see and experience a relationship with Him. But what we do when we leave God out of our lives is we leave ourselves with one other option, just to pursue everything we can see. And so we spend our lives pursuing everything we can see, and we don't pursue the God we can't see, and we begin to believe that if we just get what we can see, it will actually bring life. And it's a lie. It's a trick. The world will rip you off. And God doesn't want you to be ripped off. Love of the world consists of the pride of life. This is, this is similar to the desire for safety and security. Every one of us wants to be secure and safe. We want to know we're going to be okay. I mean, so many of us talk about what the future is going to be like, and is it going to be okay for us? Is it going to be okay for our kids? Is it going to be okay for our grandkids? We long for safety and security. That's nothing wrong with that desire, but when you have that desire controlling your life, and you let that push God out of your life, so you're letting that desire work itself out in you with no recognition of God, then that desire distorts into a pride of life where you believe that if you have the right things, you have enough money, you have all that you would like to have in possessions, that you're actually okay. You're good. You're safe. You're secure. It's a lie. It's a trick. And God does not want us to be ripped off by the world. Loving the world simply means pursuing the desires that God has placed in your heart with no regard for Him. Such that those desires become distorted and you begin to believe you can get life without God. And it'll be the biggest ripoff of all. 
And so God in his kindness says, don't love the world. And he tells us why. He gives us details on the ripoff. In verse 15, he says, the one who loves the world, the love of God is not in him. Do you, do you know what you and I need more than anything else in the world? We need the love of God. We need the love of God to transform us and give us life and give us purpose and give us hope and give us peace. We need God's love. And if we love the world, you know what's not going to be in us? The one thing we need. We cannot afford to love the world because we need the love of God. If we don't have the love of God in us, do you know what? We're not going to love Him. And if we don't love Him, our only option is to love ourselves. And we will pursue the distortion of loving God in the form of loving ourselves. If we don't have the love of God in us, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to love God and we're not going to love people. Because our heart's distorted and all we love is ourselves. You know what we're going to do instead of loving people? We're going to use people. You ever felt that? Somebody use you? It's terrible. If the love of God is not in us and we are not loving God and we're not able to love people because we're absorbed with ourselves, you know, we're not going to help others love God and love people. You know what we're going to do? We're going to help others who help us. And we're going to hate those who hurt us. It's a distortion. And we're going to actually believe this is how we get what we want, but we're going to come up bankrupt. Because look at verse 16. It says in verse 16 that everything in the world the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life is not from the Father. This is not good. It's from the world. And the world's passing away in all its lust. Guess what? Everything you think you can get from the world in the distortion of your desires will leave you bankrupt, empty. When the wind of loving the world blows through your life, you are left with nothing. It's passing away. God does not want us to experience the fleeting satisfaction of the world. It's here in a moment and then gone. And we're left with emptiness. Do you know the only reason that the things of the world bring a level of satisfaction even momentarily? It's a part of the deception. It's a part of the trick. Because if the enemy can get you to pursue the things of the world without regard for God and find just a moment of satisfaction, you might actually believe that if you keep pursuing the things of the world and get those brief moments of satisfaction, it's worth pursuing. But the problem is the world cannot deliver on its promises. They're a lie. You cannot find life outside of Christ. But the world wants you to believe you can find life by pursuing the world without regarding God. And it is a ripoff because the world's passing away and what it can deliver will not last. But the one who does the will of the Father abides forever. You want what lasts? You want a promise delivered? Do you want to experience life do you want to live in the light of life and purpose and adventure of, for who, how you were created to live? It's, 
in doing the will of the Father. The one who does the will of the Father abides forever. You want the real promise fulfilled for satisfaction? Do you want real safety and security? Do you want to know real love? It's found in doing the will of the Father. God doesn't want you to be ripped off. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be satisfied in Him. So He invites us to do His will. That's a challenge for us. Because who in here is is not struggling at points along the way with the temptation to love the world and the things in the world? I mean, that's a very real temptation. If it was not a real temptation for us, God would not give this strong of a command here, setting up the whole rest of 1 John. This is the command upon which everything else in here depends. This is our greatest threat. And God wants us to avoid the very real temptation that every one of us experience towards loving the world. So we're all there. We're not going to fall into the trap of saying we have no sin because 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says that if anyone says they don't have sin, they're lying and the truth is not in them. Here's the thing. God would not tell us to not love the world if loving the world wasn't a temptation that we all face. So what are we to do? We're to do the will of God. So what does that look like? There's a story of a couple in the Bible who were in the middle of God's love as perfectly as a couple can be in the middle of God's love. Until one day, the serpent came to Eve. The serpent being so crafty and deceptive said to Eve, did God really say you cannot eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And Eve said to the serpent, what God said was, we can't even touch that tree or we're going to die. And the serpent said, you are not going to die. No way. If you eat from that fruit, here's what's going to happen. You're going to know things you do not know right now. You're going to experience wisdom. You're going to be like God. And Eve heard that and she walked to that tree and she looked at that fruit and the scripture says that she saw that that fruit would be good to eat it would satisfy her stomach she looked at that fruit and it was the delight to her eyes it was beautiful and she thought if I take a bite of that it's going to be delicious And she looked at that fruit and she says, if I eat that fruit, it will make me better. My life will be better. I will be wise. I will be like God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And she, in that moment, made a decision to love the world. And neglect God. And she took a bite of that fruit. Mm. That is so sweet. That is delicious. Mm. Man, that's good. 
That's the sweetest fruit. It's incredible. It was so amazing that she gave some to Adam. And Adam saw that it was so amazing that he took a bite of that apple. And man, it was amazing. Mmm. So delicious. You hungry? Mm. But the satisfaction lasted as long as they could chew and swallow the apple. Because as soon as they swallowed that fruit, they felt the shame and the brokenness of having left God out of their lives. You know what they did? They went and they tried to cover themselves, to cover their shame, and then they hid from God. They loved the world, and they realized their bankruptcy, and they ran from God. They should have ran right to Him, but in their shame, they ran away from Him. You know what God did in His kindness? He took a walk in the garden, and He called out, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He was not in the, in the dark here. He was not wondering, is this hide and seek? Y'all can come out now. No, God knew exactly where they were. He was calling out for them. He went to right where they were and he said to them, what have you done? You see what God is doing? They chose to love the world. And they ate in the bankruptcy of the world. And in their brokenness and shame, they wanted to run from God, but God pursued them and invited them to simply confess their sin. The first step out of loving the world and into the light of God has always been and will always be confession. You know how to do the will of the Father? In light of the command, don't love the world, confess those areas where you're loving the world as the sins that they are. And you will find a gracious God ready to take you back into the hope of his love. Confession. You know, Adam and Eve's confession wasn't even that good. You, know, you remember what Adam said? Uh, the, the woman you gave me, she gave me that fruit and I ate it. The only thing right he got in his confession is, I ate the fruit. That's it. Eve, her confession wasn't very good either. The serpent that you made deceived me, and I ate the fruit. The only thing that Eve got right in her confession is, I ate the fruit. They had a sorry example of good confession, and what did God do? He gave them hope in his love. He told Eve, the descendant from you one day will crush the head of the serpent. He told them, and we can look back on it and see the significance of that. He told them that one day Jesus Christ would live and die on the cross, rise again from the dead, and crush the head of Satan, our enemy. He would destroy sin and its effect on all of our lives. And he would crush death so that no one who trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins would ever experience death. Wouldn't even taste it. He gave them the hope. 
that there's coming an answer for their love of the world. In the meantime, just confess. Run to me, not away from me. Don't hide anymore. Run to me. He took a couple of animals. God did, and he, he killed them. And he took the skins of those animals, and he clothed Adam and Eve in their shame. This is a temporary answer for their shame, but again, it pointed to something far more permanent when Jesus Christ would shed his blood and would cover the shame of all our sin forever. And then God said, you're not ever going to get back into the garden again. I'm going to keep you from coming in there. Because in the garden was the tree of life. And had Adam and Eve eaten from the tree of life, they would have stayed in their brokenness forever. And God in his goodness, in the brokenness that entered their lives because they loved the world, he gave them the assurance they'd not stay in that place forever. That there is a new home where the love of the world would no longer tempt them. How do you do the will of the Father? If you're feeling the conviction of the Spirit in any area of your life where you sense you have the love of the world replacing your love for God, then run to Him and confess. And He will bring you back into His love. From that place where you're no longer hiding, make sure you're walking with some other people and they'll help you stay out of hiding and they'll walk with you in that. Make sure that when you're coming out of hiding, you're doing it with other people in the family of God so that you don't run back into hiding because of that sin that you're confessing. And and you'll find help from Christ and the body of believers to take steps away from that sin. Here's something else you can consider doing is just taking what's said here in this passage and flipping it over. You know, this passage tells us that if, that if we fill our lives with the things of this world with an increasing uh, disregard for God, we're going to love the world and we're going to miss out on what God has to say. So why don't we just take the things of the world that God gives us as we follow our desire for Him and use those things to help others know Him? You know, a generous person with the things that God has given him or her will find it much less appealing to fall in love with the world because a generous person knows this home is not my final spot. And everything that God has given me, I'm supposed to use to help others know him. And when you do that, you find much less appeal in the illusion that this place is your home. It's not. God simply wants us to increase our love for Him. Because if we don't increase our love for Him, our only other option is to increase our love for ourselves. And we will do it by pursuing the things of this world with no regard for God. And we'll come up empty. You know, Jesus Christ had temptations in His life to pursue love for the world. After fasting for 40 days, Satan came to him and said, you probably are hungry right now. How about turning some of these rocks into bread? Nice hot bread would be really good, wouldn't it? Lust of the flesh. Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but instead on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
Satan then took Jesus up to this high place and said, look at all the kingdoms of the earth that have been given to me. If you bow down before me, I'll give you all those kingdoms. Lust of the eyes. And Jesus said, you are not to worship anyone but the Lord your God. He's quoting scripture. And then Satan took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, hey, if you throw yourself down right here, the Bible says that the angels won't let you get injured. And if you do that in front of everybody here, everybody's going to know who you are. The pride of life. And Jesus said, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, Jesus had heard the voice of the Father through the word of God. And in hearing the voice of the Father, he was ready to stand against the temptations because he knew that the love of the world would bankrupt and only the love of God would bring life. Don't let your days go by without hearing God speak. Open the word. And increase your love for God. Increase your love for God by loving people. Listen, if you want to invest in what's going to make it from this age to the next age, guess what's not going to be destroyed in the destruction of this world? People. People are going to make it into the next age. So if you want to invest in something that's not passing away with this world, then love people. Serve them. Selflessly, sacrificially serve them so that you might be given an opportunity to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to make sure that you're effectively fighting against the temptation to love the world? Then this week, tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Tell somebody. Here's what will happen. If you tell somebody about Jesus Christ this week, you will find an increase in your heart for the love of God. You will have the love of God so increasing in you that you will see the temptation to love the world as the trick that it is. And you won't be ripped off. God wants you to experience the joy of knowing Him. He does not want you to be ripped off. Do not love the world.